thank you for taking a seat at the table with us tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about um Guys, it's a lot later for me, okay? <laughs> I've been up, I had no nap today or anything. And barely any cubs. So I had no nap today or any cubs. No cabs. Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello, thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how autism is more than one thing. We see how it relates in different TV shows and different movies, and a lot of us in our home life here do not necessarily relate to autism that way. A lot of people outside of our world don't really always understand that, so they see one autism in one way. Whether it's a person or a TV show or a movie, they sometimes think that all people with autism or that autistic are that way. So we're going to start off by talking about what it looks like in our homes and then maybe kind of talk about the differences that we see represented in the media. So tonight we have Jamie. Hello. Tabitha. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everybody. Jen. Hello. And me, I'm Kim McIsaac. Jamie, do you want to let everyone know how it looks like for you guys? Yeah, I think, I mean, to be honest, I was that person. And that's why I wasn't sure my son was autistic because I went off a lot of stereotypes I had seen in the media. And even with that, it wasn't really much. And I will say I did know a couple autistic people throughout my life. And so kind of just judging off of them, I thought that's what autism is. So for my son, he doesn't make eye contact with many people. He is, I don't want to say antisocial, but he keeps to himself a lot or does his own thing, which I think is often what people think of autism. So he does do those things. My son does speak, although I didn't know people were non-speaking. I mean, I knew people were non-speaking, but I didn't know that was part of autism really before I came into the world of autism, but he does speak now. He was uh, pretty much non-speaking until about four. He would he could say a couple things, but not communicative at all. He was just a really fussy baby, which I thought of autism too, because someone I knew had a baby, their baby was always colicky. And someone had told me mm -hmm. at one point that that's a sign of autism. I don't think it necessarily is a sign, but I think it's associated a lot. Uh, but he's also a really happy, silly boy. He's super cuddly. And I didn't think that my child would be cuddly if they had autism. So yeah, I think my ideas of what autism were really set me behind because since he wasn't all the things I thought autism was I didn't think he had autism and then when I found out more and like what a spectrum it is and mm -hmm. that a lot of the things he does like he doesn't flap his hands but he runs back and forth and he spins and so he's doing similar things but just in a different way than you would hear about um, he doesn't tiptoe walk. I knew that was a big sign and that we never had that. So yeah. What about you, Jen? A lot like Jamie. I didn't know. I didn't know anyone that was on the spectrum. I don't think I had actually ever met an individual that had autism. But when the word was kind of creeping around, it's you think of you think of Rain Man and Kaya was nonverbal, non-speaking until she was about five. She was a girl, so she you know presented differently than a boy or the typical signs of autism. She didn't have a lot of interaction. She didn't have a lot of eye contact, but she was, and I would justify it, like Jamie said, she was super cuddly um, as she got older, not when she was a baby, but as she got older. So I don't know, just all of those things. I, I, yeah. I had friends that uh, three of us, we had babies all within 
months of each other. Obviously, when they're baby babies, there was there was no differences. But as they became toddlers, it was apparent that Kaya was different. But I've always said when she was younger, she needed nothing from me. So I knew that was different from my friend's children. I don't know. I don't know. She was fascinated by the TV. No one, no one else's kids care. So there were these stark differences as she got older. And by older, I mean two. <laughs> yeah. Def- definitely different than the other children. What about you, Rachel? Um, you know, Celie is autistic and we have, at the same time as that diagnosis came to us, she was diagnosed with ADHD. And I remember not really having fear about it, not really understanding what we were necessarily talking about, certainly not to the level that I, what I do now, but I just didn't know. And so when she was diagnosed with autism, and ADHD together, I was able to like really identify with so many of the things that I would read, not necessarily about autism, but about specifically girls with autism, because it can be so different. Celie, when she got her words back, has even when she didn't have words, she was social, she would approach people, she was interested and engaging when she was connected you know, she always has had that sort of tune out, check out, disconnect thing to her. But when she's in, she will let you into her world. So when I found out stuff about autism, like, I just remember feeling so comforted. And then it became clear that even though I could find that on a Pinterest search by way of like, you know, some graphic someplace, there weren't many people telling the story of that girl. You know, there was not a ton of girls to look to. And, you know, Celie's skill scatter made it so that she had a lot of like points and parts of her that were very similar to a ton of boys that I've heard stories of or about or known the moms of. And, you know, it wasn't really until finding you guys that I felt like so connected with so many moms, whether it was like about our sleep issues or elopement or aggression or safety stuff. And so I sort of started to build my autism community. And then we became a little bit less like some anomaly feeling, but then the plot thickens because as I began to dive deeper with these moms that our children had things in common, there became this like understanding that, oh, that's one of those parts that's different about Celie than most autistic kids. You know, she has fetal alcohol syndrome as well, which is, as we've learned on other episodes, brain damage. And then adding Celie's mental health onto it really kind of changes the diagnosis. And though anxiety and depression can be common, we sort of grew out of that common ground too, when she advanced sort of to bipolar or diagnosis changed to bipolar. Anyhow, I feel very much like we have a face in representation among our community in parts and pieces, but there's no constellation like my Sealy Planet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not necessarily about searching out the right representation. It's about like coming together for us and saying like this community is working together and these are people that have differences too. And for that reason, I think we've grown a lot, but no, I've never seen a Sealy Planet again represented in the Well, media. I think though you have the unique thing where a lot of people don't understand because Sealy is social and she's verbal and she has this big personality that they assume that she's so-called what they would call high functioning and they don't really see her struggles. I mean, we've, you've talked about this. She sounds very capable when she's talking about these big obscure things, which she could talk about Como proteins for a long time. Those are the ones that rush to the scene of a 
boo-boo and they congeal and they make a scab. I mean, Como proteins, right? Like this kid has got to have some stuff dialed in. Now she cannot figure out how to pull up her pants after she's gone potty. So it's complicated. And even I've talked openly with you guys each about how I write on Flanaville. You know, there's a lot of like makeup tutorials where Celie Flanagan is doing makeup like RuPaul or playing a game or running amok. And it's sort of like Blair Witch. Yeah. Like she looks like a little mini. Uh, Looks like Blair Witch camcorders. But listen, I realize that that perpetuates the fact that then I'm writing this stark contrast of holy Christmas. I had to cut off my hair because it's been pulled like, but there are many facets to her. So in sharing our story, I really try and bring that whole kaleidoscope to light because I know that there's somebody looking for a story that's just the same as ours in that lane and that facet in that day. It's hard to share it all. Now, Tabitha, you have the unique thing from the five of us of having two individuals in your home. So you see differences with your own children, never mind with other children and people that you see and talk about. And I'm sure that there's assumptions made even with them because they're siblings. Yeah, we get, um, so when Nixon was diagnosed, we got a lot from a lot of people. Well, but he's high functioning. We got that all the time because Nixon did not have classic signs of autism. He had a language delay. He was social, always has been social. He's a social guy with his peers, you know, likes being around people, is snuggly, is giggly, is smiley. He does struggle with eye contact, but he likes to be engaged with people. So we dealt with that a lot from people. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, what do you mean when you say that? Is that like meaning that don't worry because he's high functioning? you know, and by his diagnosis, you know, they took away Asperger's, but he's not in that category per his diagnosis of what Asperger's used to be. So no, he's not in the category of what people would call high functioning, even though we don't use those terms. Um, He has struggles, he has learning struggles, you know, just like things that people don't understand. And I felt like it was almost like making an excuse for his autism. Like it's a, don't worry. It's okay. Because he's high functioning. Like Um, it's supposed to make you feel better about it. Yeah. Yes. That was exactly what it was. Yes. And it also diminishes the struggle a little bit. Oh yeah. The whole. Yeah. And we get that now too. Like if we're out in public and we have to say to strangers, you know, they'll come back with, Oh, I would have never guessed or, whatever the case may be, because now that he's getting bigger, if we have issues in public, then people think he's, you know, like a bad kid or is not listening or whatever the case may be. And so we are finding we have to say it more often than we did in the past. But I didn't know anything about autism. I only knew what was kind of depicted in the media. I did work with kids who had diagnoses and things like that, but nothing like personal to me or to my family. And so I didn't have the like intimate look at at autism before Nixon was diagnosed. And really it's like you get Rain Man depictions or you get atypical depictions or you get parenthood depictions. And I always feel like my kids don't fit into that media box, really, their personalities. And then with Nora, like she has more visual signs, I would say, to cue people in that she has autism. She has hand flapping. She has 
way less eye contact than Nixon does, which his isn't great. She has a tendency to be in her own space. She gets fixated on what she's interested in and it's hard to redirect her at her age. So I think like we got less of that with her, which is pretty surprising. Nixon always made sounds to engage and she's nonverbal and uses a device and you know, it's like a little bit more of a visual cue into society or others that she may be autistic and she's constantly putting her hands over her ears, which is a huge sign in public. So it was strange. It was definitely strange. And it really kind of hit me hard when he was diagnosed that we kept, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times people would say that. And we did not get that with our daughter, which is interesting because most people don't consider the way girls present on the spectrum as signs of autism, you know? I think there's so much more pages, so much more people writing about it, so much more videos, like social media depicts all of our kids. We all depict our kids um, so people can see kind of a different view of what each one of our kids looks like. But I do feel like the general population does not understand. You can have massive struggles and also be highly intelligent. You know, you can have, you know, know every planet or, or space or every dinosaur in our house but also not be able to say the ABCs. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not what they show to the general population. Yeah. Lots of differences in our house. (laughs) Obviously with us, it was so long ago that it wasn't in the media. It wasn't in the TV shows or the movies. The only reference we had, which is a reference I always got. I just want to spit every time someone mentions Rain Man because it just irritates me. Because... I've so many like Rain Man, like Rain Man. No, not like Rain Man, not like Rain Man, not at all. Like, actually, I've never seen Rain Man, but I know enough to know that she's not like (laughs) Not that. that. (laughs) My husband's seen it. I haven't. Movie Um, Night in Minnesota, ladies? I'm just kidding. (laughs) And the only other, like, I saw a movie, like, this was just like a little vague memory that I had. I I watched a movie that had a um, girl with autism or saw something on tv and it just showed her rocking in the corner and nobody could touch her she was like literally in her own world so those are the only two like visions that i had of autism and it wasn't even a thing that crossed my mind of course we didn't have all the knowledge we didn't have i mean now the doctors do a checklist at 18 months a screening nothing like that was done even the doctor wasn't that knowledgeable about autism then and her signs they are still aren't, either. just so you know, they've not yeah. come much very far. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they do know a lot more than they did back then, but <laughs> it's like you all said, it's like every kid presents differently. Mm-hmm. It all depends what you're bringing to the doctor too, because if there might be something that you're not concerned about, or you're not thinking about at that doctor's appointment. So it's like, if you don't bring certain things to the doctor's attention, or they don't ask you certain questions, especially when you're a first time mom, especially when you haven't really been around it a lot. And like we said, it's the extreme versions are like, you know, nobody's thinking a savant that's not usually coming out when they're two years old anyways, except like in extreme situations. You know, I think that also happens sometimes too. She did lots of things that I didn't think to bring up to the doctor. Like, like I even feel like sometimes you bring stuff up, Kimmy, like you've said, and you just get shot down. You'll say... Oh, she sleeps okay. You know, she's up every night and it's, it's really getting kind of hard. And then they'll be like either melatonin or what does she eat? Like, have you tried the goddamn root vegetables? <laughs> I also feel like don't there's work. just they certain things that are, are strongly associated with autism that when those things don't happen to your children, then 
you know, they're not fit into that box. So it's like, oh, your kid sleeps. They probably don't have autism or like, you know, they're not a picky eater. No, not very likely. So when you have children that present in different ways, sometimes it definitely goes under the radar. Like when she was diagnosed, it was a very different time. The knowledge was, I mean, I'm thrilled for any, I don't care what it represents for me, any representation of autism on a TV show or in a movie, like is exciting to me because 10, 12 years of her life, there was nothing, no TV shows that showed it. There was no movies. And I understand it's not necessarily representing her type of autism, but like, I'm just happy for it to get put out there for people to see because for a long time, nobody even knew what it was. When I say they didn't know what it was, like they literally never heard of it, you know? So she was having a tantrum in a store and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She has autism. They didn't know what I was talking about. Now, granted, now people might know, not know the whole gist of it, mm-hmm. but they have an idea. They've heard of it. They have a general kind of knowledge or maybe know somebody in their family or a neighbor or their sister's brother's cousin's, you know, niece or whatever it might be. This was a time when people, they, they hadn't heard of it. Like it wasn't something that you worried about because it wasn't really on anybody's radar. The only reason that I think she even got the evaluation was because when I had a person come out for early intervention, it was just this one person. She had written question of autism, which I was outraged. I thought it was ridiculous. Her doc was like, yeah, I don't see that. All the specialists that worked with her were like same thing she's too social she's lovable like she just doesn't have all these typical things but then again in girls they don't always show the same and although she has more classic autism I think a lot of times when girls are more severe you do see the more typical signs than more moderate girls they definitely have the masking and trying to fit in and kind of trying to like adapt to their environment where it's a little bit harder when you have somebody who's more severe, they're not going to tend to do that as much. So looking back at what we know now, there was lots of signs. We were concerned that her language wasn't developing. We were concerned that sometimes her receptive language was inconsistent where it seemed like she understood sometimes and other times she didn't. Like we were definitely were concerned with those, but we didn't necessarily think it was autism. You know, we kind of thought it was like a kind of speech, a language delay. It's hard to see that in a little kid. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, just because they're not speaking now, even if it's like five, like, oh, you don't assume they're never going to speak. You just don't imagine the future like that with your child. I don't think anyone really does. Like, you're not like, oh, what's my three-year-old going to be like when they're 20? You don't do that. That's what makes it difficult too. When people say like high functioning, how do you know a three-year-old's high functioning? Like, I feel like that's just like, you, you're not going to know until they're, until they're not all Doogie Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> it's and- also like, there's so much to the world that we live in that's sort of objective to the criteria that you're being measured against. For instance, my daughter is from the Mayo Clinic called high functioning autism to equate for her IQ, severe fetal alcohol syndrome, because of all this lights out stuff and misfiring bipolar to like a pediatric diagnosis is to be severe anxiety, which lays the tracks for the whole thing. ADHD that sets the pace for the whole thing. So if you talk to Mayo Clinic, this is what the case is. If you talk to an autism clinic, she has severe autism. If you talk to the mental health caseworker, she has behavioral blah, blah, blahs. Like it's all in line and objective to what the God darn criteria is for the situation. And it's still just a fragment in time. Well, and it's also very subjective is what, what it really. Maybe I don't mean objective, Kimmy. I understand what you're saying. (laughs) Because it's all, all these tests are just 
run by people. And yes, they have their scoring systems and their checklists, but all subjective to how this person feels and what they're seeing at that time, like what you're saying, Rachel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's no definitive test that you can have for any of these things, you know? So it's- when we talked to the Down syndrome moms and they said there was a blood test, all five of us were like, you mean you get a yes or a no? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, I was different. No one come at me. I was the parent in denial. I knew my daughter was different. You know what? I want to be very, I have a different child now. It is, she is night and day from the child she was. I can't even explain the difference in her from even two short years ago, let alone when she was a baby. So like Jamie said, you just have no idea. Yeah. You know, but I knew something was different. Autism started floating around. I actually talked the secretary that books the autism diagnoses out of booking her appointment because I said, well, she takes my hand. I know exactly what she needs. She communicates with me fine. You know, and I might've fibbed about a mama and a dada and a little babble here and there. We had none, by the way. And I would ask anyone that would come over my friends, do you think she's autistic? Like my friends know if my kid has autism or not. Like literally, and I remember my friends- brought that egg salad? Yeah, I remember my friend saying, oh no, she doesn't have autism. And again, she doesn't, she had never known anyone with autism, but it was that perception of what autism was. So there's no way my little girl watching TV could be autistic. Yeah, I I, I, I held on to that as long as I could. I will say that one thing I have noticed between my son and my daughter is when we're talking to providers in general, this is across the board. I am not kidding you. The way they speak about my children's autism is completely different. So with Nixon, they have no problem talking about his specific struggles directly in front of him, framing it as a struggle, talking about it as if it's everything is like not negative, but reality. This is what it is. You know, this is his struggle. When it comes to my daughter, they have a tendency to elevate her skills. Like if they're saying something that she's struggling with, they immediately respond with something that she's like good at, or that is an advanced skill. It's really mind blowing. So as you know how all these people talk about harder to get girls diagnosed. And I can see why that's the case. Like my daughter's autism presents in more of a classic way than my son does, but people accept his autism more than they do my daughter's, which is fascinating to me. So they will, even on her school evaluation, the way that they wrote it up is completely different than the way that they wrote Nixon's school evaluation. It's fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. I don't know if that's a sex thing or if it's like we're used to like talking about girls in a delicate manner and boys are more like this gruff, like, oh, they're a boy rough and tumble. They don't always talk about girls in a delicate manner and that their paperwork. I can tell you that from the (laughs) other side. I'm saying saying in the terms that they use, like the language that they use is more delicate and prissy than like with the the way yeah prissy than the way they talk about boys it's like the way our society views like masculinity and femininity it's it's fascinating I always thought they put a lot of pride in Celie's ability to emote even though I could see it like a little bit differently like Hey, she's on a roller coaster. So I'm glad you think this is real cute that she can cry and laugh in the same blink. Or like, I think that when you're someone like Celia is that can be so connected, so engaged, so disconnected, so disengaged that I always associated their pride to like, oh, it was a good day. She was able to blah, 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 blah. I mean, I think that's part of that training is to do that. Yeah. 
you know, because they don't want to throw out all negatives. They try to like, yeah, especially when it's like school evaluations and stuff like that. They, you know, they they're trying to. to accent the positive. <laughs> with well, like IEPs, they're supposed to say the pot. They have to list the positives first or the progress first. Like, and I think just in general, I'm sure that's like a practice they do. Which, like, sometimes I'm all for. Other times, I'm like, just get to it. A sandwich, you know. So it's like, com- compliment sandwich. Com- compliment in sandwich. Film, yeah, we did that in so, film school. In bad management, that's called a hug in a spank. <laughs> that's the thing with autism. Even like these professionals, they don't know how it's going to manifest in your child. So they could diagnose your child at a young age. And you'll hear different stories all the time where like they told someone like, oh, your child's going to be so severe. They're never going to talk. That child talks. They're doing a lot of things they told they weren't going to be able to. Some people are told, oh, your child will be like high functioning or whatever they call it, whatever the time. And then that child is more severe. Like, I don't think they can directly tell. And so that's what's the uniqueness of autism is that like, we don't know. I don't know what Jesse's going to be like. I always get this thing like a few years back and I know it just happened again. There was some guy on like The Voice or American Idol and he auditioned, I think, and he sang great and he had autism and I always support. I'm so excited for that to be portrayed in media that like people on the spectrum can do so much. But I think like 10 people sent me that video and they're like, Jesse could do this one day. And I'm like, this doesn't mean Jesse can sing. That's like saying like, you know, like I'm part Filipino, part German. So you like, can cook and dance. Yeah, like a part Filipino, part <laughs> German sings. And then they're like, Jamie, you can sing one day because she can. It's like, no, like there's, we all are different people. And that's the thing with our kids. You do have so good much. hair because of that genetic pool though. Like that's <laughs> a statistic truth. <laughs> Maybe that's what Kitty B has. I don't know. I think that too, when people talk about the spectrum, I think that there's just a lot of misunderstanding about that because I think people think it goes from like one to a hundred, you know, and you're kind of like either on the low end or you're on the high end or you fall in the middle. And that's like not really what the spectrum means. It's just, it's not linear. It's not, you know, that's not how it goes. I, when I first had a hearing, because she wasn't diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder because they didn't have that when she was diagnosed eventually they transferred it over to that and that's what I even thought I mean you know but it doesn't mean that it just means that there's communication there's social there's all these different deficits that a person could have that has autism but you could be severe but not necessarily have behaviors you could be high functioning and have extreme aggression. So it doesn't mean like you have all these things if you severe, and then you have you don't have any of these things if you're high functioning. And especially, I think the verbal component is very confusing to people. I mean, I don't think we all fully understand it either. Where if somebody is verbal, it's assumed that they're high functioning, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. There are people that are nonverbal that don't have issues with cognitive, you know, that don't have intellectual disability, but is assumed if you're nonverbal that you do, you know, it's just a lot of different variations with each individual. I personally think severe, they have like their own spectrum, like in itself, because it varies so much, because if someone hears severe, they just automatically picture one thing, or they'll say, oh, they're not severe, they don't do this, or you know, but that's not necessarily what it means. It just really is um, the amount of supports that they need is really what it kind of comes down to. As I say, on the other end, I totally understand why they complain because I think they get a lot of time that assumption that they're like the good doctor or they're like a genius. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Mm -hmm. no, I still struggle. One of my favorite things I've ever read was about high functioning was I'm high, high functioning until I'm not. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, it's like I'm functioning. I mean, and that's why they hate functioning labels is because like when you put in high functioning, that automatically makes people assume that you have some kind of special talent or you're completely fine in society. Mm-hmm. You don't have issues. You don't have struggles. <clears throat> and it diminishes their a piece of who they are, basically. A lot of that stuff is savant syndrome, which is very rare. <laughs> yeah. It, it <laughs> well, does happen. It does happen there are people that have autism that are just have these genius IQs that have these talents that are just amazing. But it's a small percentage. <laughs> For some reason, people think it's like 99. Well, that's, again, that's the perception. When Kaya was diagnosed in 2012, the medical dictionary, and I I have to assume in Canada, it's the same as the U.S. as far as terms. Maybe not. um, But that's when they were changing from into um, ASD, like autism spectrum disorder. And again, don't come at me, people, but I was that parent that in the beginning, I was like, oh, she's high functioning. Because to me, it was like, and now it annoys me you know I feel very different about it now right but then I was like well then it's it's not as much autism it's not you know and now it's like that that she has autism she has autism so or she's autistic but the label doesn't matter you know either way for us one of the things that goes so misunderstood when people are getting to know our family or judging quickly from the outside or we're whatever it is verbal does not mean the same as being able to express yourself. And so yes, that is really something. When you encounter my kid and she can volley the conversation back and forth a couple, three times. Hi, my name is Celie. What is your name? Ah, la, 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 la. Like it goes together or she's using somebody else's language altogether. You don't necessarily know that that's a kid that can't tell you that she hasn't pooped in six days then it's getting wicked uncomfortable or that she is struggling with a certain thing or somebody is making her feel a certain way. So we do lots of stuff to sort of, I know Jamie's spoken on this, but like we will connect through Daniel Tiger or PBS or, you know, some sort of more controlled than YouTube standard (laughs) (laughs) of something to like give her expression about it. If I was wondering if she had a toothache. I can't ask her because then it's my language put into her script. Mm-hmm. But I can leave the iPad out of her reach, blaring at Autism 100 about the Daniel Tiger tooth episode and see if she picks up any language around it and gives it back to me, you know? Yeah. Your terms changed in t- uh, the American uh, Psychiatric Association changed it in 2013, so... Yeah, it was the level one requiring support, level two requiring substantial support, and level three requiring very substantial support. It's still and when Kaya was diagnosed in 2012, out. they didn't have levels, and I just Googled it because it's new. It And in 2019, Canada recategorized it for level one, two, and three. But the, the change is now. Are the levels through the DSM? Yeah. Or are they through? DSM-5. She just got evaluated, and she didn't get a level. Like literally just certain states do it. Some don't. Mm -hmm. So the diagnostic criteria, what they would probably list is the level of support instead of the tagging it as level is one level two, level three, because Nixon technically is level two, but they didn't put that in his diagnostic criteria. They put the level of support that was needed, like moderate level of support or whatever. I was just going to say, they're trying to add that severity level. So that's the changes to like, additional criteria to meet for like substantial support where you have mm-hmm. to hit these other brackets or whatever. 
Yeah, they're trying to like tighten it up a little now, I think. That's what I just read anyways. It's so confusing. Well, and that's like how the ADOS and stuff is made. They do the test to like add things up. So I think what are the functions that come out of that? It's like social. Yeah. Motor. And communication. Communication. So they like add all those numbers up to give you. But it's just hard because our kids morph and change like. Jesse couldn't really talk at that time. Now he, yeah. he, we were told he was severe. Our diagnosis doesn't say that we were told level three severe, but the official diagnosis just says autism spectrum disorder with a language impairment and intellectual disability. So it's just like all over the place. You don't know. And then people change. And obviously, hopefully in his life, he'll live a very long life and he'll only be young for a small portion of his life. But when he gets to be like Alyssa's age, we'll know more about who he's going to be for the rest of his life. So I do appreciate the, that stuff being portrayed in media, like atypical. I cry all the time watching that I show. I love that show. Yeah. There's moments like I could see that happening to Jesse when he's older. I don't know for sure if things like that will be like that way for him, but I could definitely see some things. But I also see like that kid's like uber smart about Antarctica. I don't know if Jesse's ever going to be really smart about Antarctica, but maybe or something like that even. So I appreciate being able, able to have like sing. a peak of what my kid could be like because it's hard because we that's not portrayed anywhere. But I also hate when someone comes up to me and they're like, "Oh, Jesse's going to be just like that." I'm like, "You don't know that." Yeah, I hate it all. <laughs> I, you when, know, the one show that I thought did a great portrayal of different types of autism is Love on the Spectrum, which is more of a reality show, and they showed like what people token as severe. They showed like moderate, more what people would call high functioning, like all together in one package on one show. I was like, this is amazing. And they're all trying to find love. I can't bring this up to watch those shows. I think moderate shows. is the most, confusing, the most confusing one because yeah. like, what, what so does what? that mean? I understand Sevilla and I understand level one or whatever it might be called um now in two years <laughs> yeah, um, when they change it but again. it's like it's like those people in the middle I feel like they're the ones that really they really get kind of just like completely like <laughs> yeah. a moderate well, we don't know and I feel like I have a kid in the middle because but I, I will tell you right now to our listeners anyone listening I do I literally do not have the same child that I had when she was a toddler and a school ager. Yeah, older child. She is a different child now. I think the other words, you know, those words come into play and they don't mm-hmm. describe the amount of work that went into it. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's just say Seely stops eloping every day. That'd be, that'd be so good. <laughs> when that behavior has stopped, it will be because of a great deal of, of work has gone into that. Mm-hmm. So it, it sort of ticks me off that like, here we worked so hard to give her these scripts that say, my name is Seely. What is your name? Blah, 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 like all these things. And they are the things that deter her from getting help or from being understood so fully. Like, you know what I mean? So it's yes. the progress is, it's so frustrating to me that these words don't talk about the progress. And you know, just, I'm part of the fetal alcohol syndrome community too. And I, it's interesting to watch that spectrum separate and silo out. They are creating it, it from fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. They are, you know, there's these, all these different diagnoses under there and three of them come with a whole bunch of services and two of them don't, and they're all under the same umbrella. So it's like, 
it's so interesting to me to see one exploding <laughs> the idea of all the differences while one is siloing out and when well, I feel like you really anybody you really only like I personally as I was accepting these diagnoses for both of my children I really only like thought about the label and category during that time when I was still like in this moment after diagnosis or months after diagnosis or year after diagnosis <laughs> but when you're trying to like process the actual label period you know like this is autism and trying to move through those feelings that's the only time I've really thought about where my kids land on the spectrum because they're mm -hmm. my kids they're my their personalities are different period doesn't matter where they land on the spectrum what they like dislike who they are as people all of that comes into play outside of this category that people throw them into for whatever system we're in in that minute and kind of the whole point i think of what we're all trying to say is our kids aren't that one thing yeah and sometimes i wish there was one thing i wish there was just a word i could just describe my kid as so people be accepting of him but instead i have to like draw attention to the fact that people need to put in the effort to get to know what autism means what our kids as individuals are alike and how that manifests in them. But also, I also, we need to keep that label because like, that's how we get supports and that's how we get help with things. So it's like this constant battle. Lose, it's like when I'm talking to the services. Case, yeah, you when I'm talking to the like caseworker, I need those labels and I need to explain to her so that it's a medical way. But I don't need the whole world to like think my kid's high functioning, severe, low functioning. I need them to know that he's him. All our kids are like, spectrums of their own has Rachel's favorite word their constellations of their own and so like get to know people with autism don't just assume one thing about them it's also important because like you have someone like my daughter who she doesn't necessarily present like she's calm her body's calm a lot she's pleasant she's happy you know so she doesn't scream I have severe autism like if you just look at her and you don't really know unless you're and the by, cab guy or the rental car guy in Florida yeah and by the thing is like it could be detrimental to her safety like it yeah. could be detrimental to her life if people do not understand what her struggles are and what her needs are. Even and, Kimmy, that gets me pissed just all over again about your bus situation that you keep having in this life mm -hmm. where your daughter has this predisposition. Mine is wired right now at seven to be like F off or no, thank you or whatever. And but, she was too. So she, but I mean, right now she, Lulu will say yes, agreeably. And with this beautiful inflection of like, yeah, girl, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Like she the, will agree. And then you yeah. let her off a bus and she has no idea the school bus driver should have. And no the thing is, it's like, the thing is like, she, she probably could be okay home for a very, very short time. I would never leave her home. We don't, we never leave her. She's always supervised. She always has somebody at the house with her because what would happen if she choked? Yeah. What would happen if she fell and she was bleeding? What if she What if she was, you know, got a bad cut? She's not going to know to get something and put pressure to the wound. And you know what? Maybe she would know. Maybe she would instinctively know to do that. But she's not going to be able to call 911. That she's not going to be able to do. And she can't speak. So she can't tell. She couldn't tell them anything, even if she could. Which she can't do. She doesn't, she doesn't have a concept of what that means. So there's all these things. What if the house is on fire? 
she knows not to leave the house. So I don't know if she would leave the house. Like it's, you just don't know. It's like, you're taking a chance with her life and it's just not, it's not worth ever taking that risk, but people don't look at her and understand that. You know, people so. want the easy way through though. They want to say like, oh, I asked this girl if she should get off the bus. And she's like, yeah, girl, let her off the bus. Like, they well, I mean, want, I have struggles like, with her program at school where they really don't have an understanding of where she's at either. Like where they tell but me it wouldn't things be like, just the school. If she was also going to work, if she was also, cause it's an mm-hmm. easy thing to misunderstand with this, like beautiful, agreeable. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, but a van driver to someone who runs a, a, a program okay. for yeah. special needs individuals is you would think that person would have more of an understanding. Well, they don't. A lot of things. They, <laughs> they tell don't. me to, um, <laughs> you know, she, they want her to wear a cover up over, over her bathing suit. She's not going to do it. People. It's you not know, happening. Does Dora wear a cover up? If not F off. And she's not, cause you know what she's thinking? She's thinking, Let's I'm see. not going to put that thing on me and get it wet. Like she's yeah. just not going to do it. So they asked me to have a conversation with her about it. <laughs> like, oh, sure. Okay. Like, so it's just, it's just it's really hard you know it's it is really important sometimes for people the people that are taking care of your child that are supervising them to know what their needs are I mean it's dangerous if they don't know and I get what Jane's saying like house I'm not going to necessarily say to the cashier and stop and shop hey my daughter has severe nonverbal autism I would just say she has autism if you know if it were to come up or something but you know for the people that are taking care of her they they need to know yeah, that's because what I was saying. Be... Like in certain situations, you need those labels and you mm-hmm. need those words to exactly. explain to people. But you also need like people close to in your life to just get to know your kids so they can be on top of mm-hmm. things. Like my son's mm-hmm. going on his first field trip tomorrow and I don't get to go because they told us special needs parents until last minute, but whatever. I'm not gonna anything. Uh, but my sister, <laughs> my nephew happens to be in kindergarten as well. And he's a di- in a different class, but my sister was, is going on the field trip. So she'll be there. And she just knows, like, I'm like, you text me right Thanks, away. Thanks, sis, for letting me know. <laughs> well, I know, that too. But I can oh. have it out with her. Um, but she can text me if, like, all of a sudden she doesn't see Jesse around or, you know. Jamie like, shows up 10 minutes early with coffee for the teacher. And she's like, I'm Christy. What's your sister's <laughs> name? <laughs> and I don't think they've had a lot of progress in understanding our kids. I've, no. No. Because they understand autism as a whole. Do you know what I mean? They, they understand it as a one thing. Or of like Jacobs and Matthews and well, their and I, friend down the street, yes. Ben's. And I don't think people want to think outside of it. I don't think they want, like, I don't think that that van driver wants to, like, think of the fact that if someone says, yeah, I'm okay, you have to really think, like, are, are you really okay? Like, they well, you, want- can't, you can't explain certain things to people. Like, even, you know, your family, like, we went on a family vacation my daughter didn't sleep the whole time. Then she didn't sleep for a month, an entire month. Seriously. And afterwards. they're like, it's just an overnight tabs come, you know, like, so you no. can't really explain like the fallout of yes, maybe we'll no. make it through this one circumstance, but then I have an entire month of resetting the sleep. <laughs> you know? well, it's like, they make you feel like you're being dramatic. And then you feel like mm-hmm. you're being you're like, am I being my, dramatic? Yeah. Like, am I being crazy? Like, it's that mom, that hovering mom called. Helicopter. Helicopter. Oh, I'm like, hey, yeah, you want to believe that I made this happen because I was a overbearing smother. A smother. Yeah. Well, I might get the urge tomorrow to go hang out at a museum. So <laughs> just show up and pay your money to be at the museum. <laughs> Me and my daughter. But I was going to say, like, to give it like, all our kids are so different. And I think even amongst us, but with other people, there's times where, like, Jesse's word, like, 
getting a lot of progress. Things are really good. And I'm like, man, I'm really lucky. Like compared to like this going on in someone else's life, I'm like, we're doing really good, blah, blah. And then either crap hits the fan or I see someone else who has a kid also on the spectrum and they're two grades of head and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, we all have that, like those highs and lows of like figuring out where our kids out. Cause we don't even really know all the time. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be comparing to other kids, but those little moments hit you even amongst other kids on the spectrum, not even with just typical kids where you're like, oh, we're not there yeah. or, oh, yeah. this could be so much harder. Well, I'm, yes. I'm not going to lie. Yes. I had a little twinge of, of, of jealousy over my friend's son's language. I was like, oh man, he's three years younger and he's talking like fluidly talking and I was I was I, I wasn't upset at them of course but I I was a little jealous yeah. it was that pang of like oh yeah. you know yeah. I just had that this last weekend because I was hanging with a friend of mine whose son is two who also has a language delay but he has pointing and he has like you know just things that skills that obviously are like neurotypical package skills you know what I mean like those lucky duckies figure out how to communicate without like that was with Jesse there was like people don't understand that I'm like not only could he not talk but and even before like the normal talking age he was not communicating like so when you see a little kid I'm sure pointing and doing the things you're like ah yeah, well, and Nora's good at nonverbal communication and she's awesome oh, at it, but but it's like the checking, like running, but looking back to check to see if you're there, you know, the like oh. listening to like, don't climb on the rock, get listening. down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like, whatever <laughs> that is. Oh, my neurotypical kids did not have that skill in the tablet. So don't worry. <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't like necessarily jealous. It was like, I feel like I'm so much in our world. I feel uh, like that too. I'm like this. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Can you try this? And then when too. your friend tries different. to make you feel oh. bitter and says, oh, well, my kid does, or, or, or my kid doesn't do that. Like Kaya could read, you know, she can read. Oh, my kid doesn't read that well. Trying to make me feel better. Like they're compensating yeah. for the fact my kid has autism yeah. or they'll compare, oh, my kid's a picky eater too. And then you just want to throat punch somebody yeah and I do like get those it's it's like a weird thing to like lift the veil sometimes mm-hmm. you know like yes. and I, I wasn't necessarily jealous of her son it was just like a different view because all the kids that are around my kids at this moment in time are autistic and so it's like, you know, yes. my view of children in general in their age bracket is like on a scale of where they are developmentally at three on autistic children. I'm not uh, kidding. I feel like that deep in my soul, like just like, huh. Yeah, I do. I get in your no, Facebook look at memories. you with your cereal bowl, not throwing it anywhere. <laughs> or you look at, I'll get these Facebook oh. memories and I, and I distinctly, I remember this my friend, we were pregnant at the same time. I read her son's first or second birthday, first birthday. And I remember her mom, because Kaya didn't eat, especially not cake, which seemed odd to people because kids can be picky eaters, but most kids would eat cake. And her mom said, what kid doesn't eat cake? 
my kid. And looking back at the pictures, I remember all the kids were playing games. I mean, one and two and three year olds. So there's Kaya. She's not, she was just running aimlessly through the place. And it was apparent that she was different. But I, I remember that vividly. What kid doesn't eat cake? That stuff used to happen to me, but doesn't really happen to me so much anymore. What happens to me now? And I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but like I get it when I hear stories of other autistic people. Like this one was nonverbal today, what not? And then they started talking. Oh, just these different things. And it's like, oh, you see these kids that are like in Alyssa's category, but like they're talking, they're having conversations back and forth and, you know, or whatever it might be. It might not even specifically be that. It's just, I just, it's sometimes it's just like a stab to your heart. And it's not that, I mean, I think my kid's better than them. So let me just yeah. that <laughs> She's awesome. But it's like for her, like, you know, it's like I want in in a little bit for me, of course, I want to have that as a mother with her daughter. But it's like for her, it's like it just makes her life so hard. So it just seems so unfair. And I know that's like that's just a stupid mindset to get into. And I try to pull myself out of it when I get there. I get wicked sad for Celia. Mm-hmm. Comparison is a thief. I think they of joy. The, Comparison yeah, is a thief of joy. Thief of joy. Yep. It is. It, it really is. It is. It's yeah. my side. But yeah. it's not comparing to somebody uh-huh. else when you're thinking like, oh my God, Celie Flanagan has this huge thing to deal with. You're like, Alyssa is hurt on her legs because she's thrown herself down. And you're thinking like, gosh, mm-hmm. I'm just so sad that my kid has to. No. Endure. get through this moment yeah. by doing this to herself and struggling like it's it's that sucks heartbreak you have this huge spectrum of autism you know that goes so far and wide and it's like when you see other people being able to do all these other things and then it just feels like she's stuck in that one spot which it's not that's not really what reality is because she's made so much progress she's made leaps and bounds like I'm so grateful for that but you just think like why couldn't she have that type of autism instead? Like, well, I don't know. Like, I get that. I'm just being yeah. Well, I was going to say, I get that sometimes with like, I love my children. I would not change them, but like not having the opportunity to have neurotypical experiences because I have two autistic children, you know, and that, I, that's not anything against my kids or anything like not. that. But like, I definitely have felt that over time sometimes where I'm just like, you know, want to throw the birthday party that doesn't have the accommodations or you know what I mean like just yeah. have something be simple and I, I find it just comes out of nowhere sometimes like yes I, and I don't have what you guys are talking about as much and obviously it's because of her age so I've gone through all that and kind of I'm not at that point I mean I have my youngest daughter now graduating high school and I'm not like oh Alyssa didn't get to graduate Alyssa's not gonna she should be survivor ladies she doesn't isn't gonna get to drive like I don't really get hung up I'm not saying never ever it crosses my mind but I really don't get hung up on those types of things that often but sometimes it's like I just wish things didn't have to be so hard like everything is so hard for her yeah you know that's uh, what gets me is the simplicity other people have yeah sometimes no idea you know like just yeah just the whether it be even going to, to a staycation and, and I shouldn't be complaining. My kid has just grown leaps and bounds, but like you can't, it, I can't just, we don't just pack a bag. I have to pack, I still have to pack her food. I have to make sure we're at a place where there's a restaurant at least that she'll eat out of because she won't, you know, fries have to be a certain cut and color. I mean, still, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my friend, we quite often go with my friend, Terry Lynn, and she has twins. Um, the boys are six and her daughter London is 10 and it's like they just pack a bag and come and they stay in the morning and they swim all morning and they have the big continental breakfast that's included we get up and leave the hotel at seven 
I mean, because she's done, it's we go home in the morning kind of thing, you know? So it's like, I'm just like, oh, the simplicity of just a staycation. Just heaven. going. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever see in your kids that they want, like, do you ever see when your kid wants to almost be typical? I don't know how to describe yeah. it. Like, Jesse does this thing. So every day I pick him up. The special ed kids get out like five minutes earlier, but then we go pick up my nephew who's in kindergarten also. And Jesse's actual kindergarten class, who he is with for a little bit of the day, comes out and they all line up and then they're, um, oh, I'm going to cry. Their um, parents pick them up. And every once in a while, he does this thing. He always goes and hugs his teacher, which is really sweet, but he'll go stand amongst the kids and he'll like point to me and he'll run to me. Like, like, yeah, oh, he's I'm going to cry. And it breaks my heart because like, I want him to be able to do stuff like he's going on this field trip tomorrow. I want him to be able to go without a para. I want him to just be able to like have fun, but it's not safe for him. And like, he needs to be in the special ed room and he needs to be released five minutes early, but it just breaks my heart because I'm like, he wants so bad to yeah. be like those other kids. And it just like, those moments are like when it really hurts when it's like, I mean, also the self-injury and all those other things but those little struggles where you're like oh I wish you could have that too oh friend oh, yeah. oh. um I'll say that sometimes um you know for in the like her school her old school playground and you know kids I think around 10 and 11 really notice things like that and she'll go up and stim hi kids hi girls what's your name and a lot of times they just don't want to bother with her and I I just my heart shatters because she just so desperately wants to play with those kids and like you Jamie I mean I'm fighting back tears yeah that's hard (laughs) he'll refer to them as the children like it's obvious that he doesn't get fully what's going on but he gets personally like he sees them as like a separate group he's like oh look at the children like so part of it's really adorable and sweet but part of it like I mean I didn't expect to cry but part of it's kind of like oh I wish you could have that buddy yeah I think that's that is a really difficult like those are always the saltiest moments for this Mm -hmm. mom like I Celie has been trying to articulate her difference and like she told me recently we had this big we're back into like aggression where we're in the struggle and um I say back like we left but anyways we're in this thing she tried to let her bad brains out by pushing a screw which she calls a nail into her temple to let it out and it's like I'm like okay a she's gonna hurt herself fact like this is an immediate danger thing but b she's trying to identify these parts of herself that she wants to disconnect from that she wishes could go that she wishes she could change that she thinks is different or bad or like it's just the reckoning the the awareness is a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. good lord have mercy it's hard it really is because you don't want to say that you don't want it obviously you want it but at the same time there's something about them bliss, being blissfully unaware and not having that type of heartache that like I sort know. of feel like it's that thing where when you have I've always watched people age older like where I've seen a lot of dementia in my life I've, I've lived through a lot of my loved ones having a stroke or something where like you have this ability you have this ability and then you don't have this part you don't have function of your body or your mind is quite right or your mind isn't in your body like there's all this juxtaposition of this the thing and I really feel strongly that if it's a struggle at seven that she's trying to articulate this thing like where we better put our seatbelts on and that's where the 
sad libs because two years ago at this time she just believed that everything Celie Flanagan was like the light of the universe and I thought I used to think like let her ego build let her ego build she'll get to middle school and it'll collapse and then we'll ride out what's left like the Celie sparkle that remains but I mean I don't know it's hard that's well, not my, depicted in the goddamn literally movies. my greatest fear in life is that my son's spirit is going to be broken by knowing that he is different than others my daughter not so much worried about her in that sense <laughs> <laughs> i mean she'll take this world by storm i have a feeling my son his tender heart i swear i think about this regularly on a regular basis and it literally breaks my heart cuz i don't want him to know or feel that he's that different that it makes him feel bad about himself as a person you know yeah it is this there's so many there's just so many different things that just kind of get you get you in the you know from (sighs) different all these different things um so Basically, I guess it's, it's not a linear, it's not a linear <laughs> spectrum, people. It's a big circle of skills and struggles. Don't think of it as a line because that's not what it is. And not. if you met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. That's it. Amen. You know, there's lots of differences in our children. There's lots of differences in everybody. So it's no different for people on the spectrum. You know, they have all their differences mixed in with their autism and other diagnoses they might have so but they're still underneath it all different people with different personalities different interests different wants different needs there's so many differences I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to that and we just like to kind of throw it out there so people can just be a little more aware and a little more sensitive yeah coming next storytellers people it's us truly stories from the table well thank you guys for listening we appreciate the support have a great night good night everyone Bye. bye thank you for joining us at the table for the third episode of our 10th series all about autism if you are enjoying the podcast please make sure you are subscribed and rate and review us you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us at tableforfivepodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to contact us. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for our Storytellers episode. We'll see you there. Bye.